and welcome to this mini-sode of Faith, Trust, and Pixie Dust, a First Geek 411 podcast series. I am Corey. I'm here with Deanna and Carrie. And everyone who doesn't hate Frozen, say I right now. I. I. Carrie? Hello. Carrie. I I think this is irrefutable evidence that Carrie does not like (laughs) Frozen. Carrie hates Frozen. She didn't speak up, guys. It's official. (laughs) Okay, all kidding aside, Carrie's not here. Uh, (laughs) She actually took a really nice trip to uh, Britain, and so we're doing this without her this week. It's just me and Deanna. We're making fun of her because we're jealous. Right? I want to be in England. (laughs) Oh, oh well. But anyway, we're going to have fun anyway. We're going to talk about a couple of um, British novel-inspired movies. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about those, and then we'll announce our uh, our stuff for next week. So um, <clears throat> I will go first. Okay. My uh, my novel and movie, I did um, Oliver and Company, which, of course, is based off of Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. Um, the uh, original novel was actually it started as a serial so it was actually published over a couple years from 1837 to 1839 and um Mm -hmm. yeah so there's a wide time gap there since uh oliver and company is set in the 80s uh the 1980s yes um the uh original idea behind the Oliver and Company movie was brought up at one of the Disney um, gong show meetings that apparently were kind of famous. Um, gong it, show? Yeah, it's they called it the gong show meetings. Basically, it's the idea that everyone from Disney can go to this meeting and pitch ideas. Everyone. Hmm. Like, Anna, that sounds like something most companies should have. Yeah, but they have, like, a few a year, and they can go, like, ten hours. Wow. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and so a lot of good stuff came from, from these over the years, but at this particular one, there were three suggestions thrown out. There was uh, The Little Mermaid, um, mm-hmm. uh, Treasure Island in Space, and huh. Oliver Twist with Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a very productive gong show meeting. <gasps> And um, so this one was actually, of course, the first of those made with Little Mermaid following short after. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, It's very different, of course, starting with the fact that there's, you know, animals. Um, yeah. I... Oliver and Company was, of course, like my first introduction to Oliver Twist. Because, you know, I didn't read Dickens as a kid. And, you know, I watched animated movies as a kid. <laughs> True. Same. <laughs> so, um, it tells the story pretty well for somebody that's never read the book. It's a really cute story of a um, kitten that is basically abandoned and homeless, and he comes across a dog that agrees to help him get some sausages, mm-hmm. and uh, instead of letting him have his share of the sausages after they get them, he actually it's hot dogs but whatever um, new york hot dogs yes i know <laughs> but they, they're they all together and they look like sausages so yeah 
Um, so it's a type of sausage, I, th- I think. Sure. <laughs> so this dog, the Dodger, um, runs off with the hot dogs, goes back to his home base where there is a gang of pickpocket dogs uh, led by a human, you know, kind of not very uh, effective criminal named Fagan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oliver follows the Dodger to this uh, this meeting place, this barge house thing, and uh, to get his share of the hot dogs, and ends up joining the gang. Um, the only cat in the gang. He is the only kitty cat in the gang. The of only dogs. kitty. <laughs> but um, yeah, so eventually, when one of these uh, crimes goes awry, Oliver gets adopted by a little girl. is very very happy but ends up getting taken back by Fagin to try and um, make some money from the wealthy new owner um, to pay off a uh, loan shark. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of that is very, very similar to the book, which of course was um, with people and in England instead of mm-hmm. New York city. <laughs> right. Um, I, really like the story overall because it makes the average person think about the less fortunate I think Mm. because you can't just dismiss your main character's suffering whether it be a little boy or a kitty cat Yeah, you know you see how rough they have it and how mistreated and overlooked they are and they don't deserve that no yeah and I mean having an orphan story told from the eye of a kitten from a like box that said free kittens is yeah. kind of like the same story it's just the animal version of that so it's like like even like take the little kitty that like maybe wasn't the cutest of the bunch or something but the kitty still needs a home yeah <laughs> you know the original concept for um oliver and company had uh roscoe and DeSoto, uh sykes the lone shark's dogs killing mm-hmm. oliver's parents <gasps> and it was a revenge story. Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm glad that didn't happen. Me too. It's a bit of a an unnecessary departure from the source material. Mm-hmm. Um, so thoughts on the movie beyond you know the original story? I think it's a very cute movie. They've got some good characterization. Um, the songs are fun. They've got Billy Joel actually, you know, voicing the Dodger. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think I know how Fagin went into debt. I think he went into severe <laughs> debt buying four purebred dogs in New York City. <laughs> he had to pay to feed them. He's got a gang of five dogs. Four of them are purebred. And <sighs> I mean, you know, I've got a few animals myself. And I think I can pretty fairly say that it's not cheap. And, yeah, uh, wasn't like the bulldog or something like an award-winning, or what? Am I making that up? No, I think he was. Yeah, um, but yeah. I also he said he was, but I also didn't believe him. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I think it. It's like one of those lies that people say to make themselves seem cooler. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I think that's probably what happened. I think he was trying to buy four purebred dogs and ended up in deep to a loan shark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that 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 makes sense. Like, if he's got these, like, mounts to feed, that's his only family. He's like, 
Yeah, he's got to feed him somehow. So it could have been he just wasn't well off to begin with, but he was like, love these dogs. So he's like, I'll do whatever it takes to feed him. So he's he's a good criminal. <laughs> I'll say this. He's a much more sympathetic character than Fagin is in the book. In the book, Fagin, of course, has a gang of, of street boys that he's taught to pickpocket. And um, he basically takes all they have and all that they get and mistreats them and um you can tell in the movie that fagin loves his dogs and part of the way you can tell this is that in the book book fagin um would take everything that they brought in and was kind of getting a secret stash of wealth from it he was getting Mm -hmm. rich doing this it was effective Um, yeah movie fagin is broke as a joke and Mm. His dogs are bringing him garbage, and he still, you know, has them keep at it. So he's not getting rich off of these dogs. He loves these dogs. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, he's a much more lovable, yeah, very runner endearing. of the orphanage. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Although ransoming a kitten to a little girl is a dumb plan. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, yeah, I guess because he, he wasn't smart enough to think that, oh, a child is taking care of this cat, but he just saw a rich house, but still, it's like... Oh, other fun fact. In the original concept, this movie was supposed to be a bit of a sequel to The Rescuers, and it was going to be Penny. Oh, interesting. But they changed her name to Jenny and got rid of that idea. <laughs> <laughs> she She was kind of reminiscent of the look of penny somewhat a little yeah. um i love the little song she sings when she's like practicing her piano yeah. i love it. it's so cute i'm like that song never comes up anywhere and i love that song and like also why should i worry it's brilliant I mean, yes but georgette <laughs> georgette uh <laughs> Oh, man. There's so many good songs, and it's weird because it's not... They don't always seem like they're perfect for what's going on in the movie. Mm-hmm. But they're still fun. Yeah. I know I, like, watched this all the time as a kid. Like, all the time. And there's also some scenes that had, like, really satisfying things, like them eating the hot dogs for some reason. Like, man, that looks like a good hot dog. Or, like... <laughs> Georgette, like, using whatever cream it was to put her, like, eyeshadow on. I'm not sure what it was, but it was one of those, like, satisfying moments in animation, the way they animated it. Yeah. I'm just like, man, these movies. <laughs> That's fun. Um, I always loved seeing um, the Dodger just kind of bouncing around on the construction equipment and stuff. And, mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. Seeing New York's underbelly. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there's... And the rich side, too, I guess. <laughs> there's plenty of good stuff in this movie. Um, there's some irony as well. Yes. Uh, Torian Black, who voiced Roscoe in this movie, one of Sykes's dogs, um, the evil dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, he is like, he plays a villain in this movie, but he's actually like this huge adoption advocate. Oh. And so, like, he played a villain in Oliver Twist. Mm-hmm. And he has ten adopted children. Oh, that's great! I love that. Yeah, that was super <laughs> ironic. But um, yeah, I was. I thought I remembered when this movie came out, and I was. I went to look up the year it came out, and I was like, nineteen eighty-eight. 
that's before I was born. <laughs> but then I, I realized that they had done a re-release in the 90s. I was like, ah, ah yes, uh, this makes sense. <laughs> they re-release everything. Man, what a time for us to be alive when they like re-release everything on VHS and we just had all the stuff. And DVD. And also on the TV, which a lot of our parents uh, illegally recorded on VHSs and we watched anyway. What? My father <laughs> would never. My parents would never do that either. <laughs> Except like new parents with three young babies, you know, or three kids. Like, mm, maybe we not buy all of these. And look, they're on the TV. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. The days of VHS. <laughs> Good times. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so I don't know. It's a cute little movie. It's based off of an, you know, a very good story from the source material. So it's kind of hard mm -hmm. to ruin Oliver Twist with dogs. An American, um, shall I say, twist on a ah. British story. Hey! <laughs> that just came to me. <laughs> Although I got way angrier at the Dodger in this one than I did in the book. Because, like, yeah, he's a kid and he abandons Oliver uh when he gets caught in the book but like he's a kid yeah but, and, and he does feed oliver on purpose and stuff mm. the dog dodger like intentionally takes the food and doesn't intend to give him any <laughs> no this is my food probably more like a dog would do <laughs> that's true that's fair yeah so anything else cool. about about uh, oliver and company um I don't know. It's one of my favorites, so I'm glad we talked about it. Alrighty. So, Deanna, would you like to talk about your novel-to-movie adaptation? Yeah. So mine is a very classic story uh, set, well, mostly in England. It begins and ends in England. Um, and that is Peter Pan. So pretty much everyone in the world is familiar generally with the story of Peter Pan. They may not know like a lot of the details that are like in the book. Um, so it kind of had two different releases. Peter Pan, or also known as The Boy Who Wouldn't Grow Up, was written by J.M. Barry. He wrote the play version in 1904, and the book was written in 1911. And the Disney film was released in 1953. Um, and this was probably my first introduction to the story of Peter Pan, because um, same as Corey, like, oh, I've been watching animated movies before I started reading like novels and stuff. Yeah, so this was also uh, a good favorite. It has some mermaids, it's got fairies, or one singular fairy, it's got pirates and um, kind of everything that a young person would want in an adventure story. Um, it also has some questionable um, things in it that have to do with um, <laughs> racism. <laughs> um, yeah, there was some going back and forth on the having Indians in the um, movie. I think like they had them in there, but there was like the way that they were going to have like the lyrics of some of the songs or whatever were a bit controversial and it's more controversial today but um yeah so that's kind of the little the bit we're gonna avoid talking about the rest of it's great but that was a bit uh, that really dates the story because of um the portrayal of the indian slash native americans fortunately um society has come a long way since then and we can kind of without any questions, say that, yeah, that was bad. 
Yeah, that was not the best way to handle that. Um, <laughs> but, um, again, written in 1904, and everyone's image of Native Americans back then was a certain way, like cowboys and Indians, basically. So, um, naturally, it made its way into the movie because of all that. Um, anyway, um, beyond all that, it's one of my favorite stories because of the idea behind like what the theme is. And the sad part about the Disney version is you don't really get the essence of the theme of the story. It's kind of just um, like a fun story about how these kids who didn't didn't want to grow up or Wendy in particular, she takes her brothers with her um with Peter they go to Neverland and they go on adventures and they fight pirates and um they hang out with the Lost Boys and they just explore this world and they get into some trouble with Captain Hook and um eventually make their way back to England and it was fun <laughs> that's kind of how like the Disney version goes which is great the animation was like revolutionary because of how they animated them floating and flying that's kind of like a precursor to like showing things swimming and stuff it's like similar but um the animation of them flying was like very new at the time um and the movie they it was one of the original stories that Walt Walt wanted to do he actually wanted it to come after Snow White um but there are some issues with the rights. Paramount Pictures had the rights to a film, but then Disney figured out a way to get the animation rights to it in 1939. But then after they got the rights, um, Pearl Harbor happened. Um, yeah. yeah. And the military ended up kind of taking over some of the animation, the film studios, the animation studios to make political cartoons and propaganda films and stuff. So Disney ended up making somewhat some of those things. I think there are some short films and clips and stuff that um, Disney made that were for the war, basically. So that's kind of why everything kind of halts in the early 40s and then picks back up again with like Alice in Wonderland in the early 50s. And then this um, came out in 53. So this was one of the victims of the war pushed everything <laughs> into the 50s. Um, and Walt, uh, originally was a huge fan of the story. Um, seems like it was a, the play was going through, I'm guessing the U S um, it was on Broadway. Um, and I think the tour went to Missouri where Walt was living at the time. He and his family went to go see it and like Maude Adams apparently was the actress who played it for played Peter Pan for a long time later on Disney actually played Peter Pan in a school play so Aww. he's kind of had this connection since childhood to this story because like he saw the play as a kid um like I think my connection to the story kind of grew over time because obviously I watched the animated version and then a certain company called Universal <laughs> released a live action version of the of this story in 2003 right when I was hitting like puberty and stuff <laughs> so the emotions were crazy but what's interesting is the 
book or the universal version is much closer to the book because it's centered around Wendy at this age where she's about to start being like, like becoming a woman and they're going to start looking for a husband for her or she's going to be like in society. So it's like, you kind of go straight from childhood to, all right, you're going to get married and have kids. You're going to be a wife and you're going to support your husband. And it's like, shocking yeah it's like oh my gosh so it's kind of based around wendy dealing with that um and being like a 13 year old watching revisiting the story of peter pan i was just like oh my gosh that's my life i'm like growing up i'm not gonna be a child anymore oh this is terrible so yeah yeah, i was i was very dramatic um but we all were yes we all were (laughs) So that was kind of what rekindled my love for this story because I just connected with it at that level that like the Disney version didn't quite um, do for me as a child, but I still appreciate Disney's version because it's very light and fun and it's got great colors and I like um, the Little Mermaid scenes fun where they're like... We were like, only girls, trying to drown her. Yeah, we were only trying to drown her. I love and, those mermaids. Yeah, and I mean, in the book, they're mentioned as being kind of vicious and very jealous. So they're just like, which everyone's basically jealous because um, <laughs> um, everyone likes Peter Pan. Um, but anyway, so and after that 2003 version came out, I that's when I read the book um, and I kind of got a understanding of what the book's all about and what the story's all about because like there's a lot of really great like symbolism about I don't know it there it's hard to explain without like just reading the book to you but there's a lot of great language and imagery in it um and it also differences it goes into um how Peter Pan came to be and he and I think the movie Hook actually touches on that a little bit of how he was like yeah. abandoned um, and or forgotten or something. And I think Tinkerbell found him and took him to Neverland. Um, and there he kind of decided like um, that he would go take all of the children that were kind of abandoned and left behind and take them to Neverland. But also people have um, pointed out that it's kind of a, uh, it's symbolic of babies who had passed away. Mm -hmm. And like, they go to this undying, unaging land of eternal youth, basically. Supposed to be Um, like a comfort. Yeah, it's supposed to be kind of a comfort. Um, Yeah, there's so many iterations of the story. There was also a movie called Finding Neverland that was about Jay and Barry and, like, how he came up with the idea. I don't know how much of it is, like, made up and how much of it actually happened. I know some of it actually happened, but some of it might have been... I saw the stage play. Mm -hmm. And it was a little boring. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it it did tell a... um, basically a true story for a narrow span it didn't really go into all of the things that happened but it what it told was like true for that period yeah i think that the movie did it pretty well because there's like points here and there where you're like oh that's maybe where he got his inspiration for this character or something like that um 
And I love that, like, I've seen the stage play and, like, the play was kind of written, like, up in a time when just the grown-ups went to the play. Like, kids didn't go. But then he was, like, Jay and Barry was realizing, like, the adults aren't going to enjoy this. They're not going to laugh. They're going to be stuffy adults and they're not going to get into it. So then he actually called, um, like he requested that the orphanage bring their children and he had like places for them to sit. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. He was like, I need to have children. So he got the, in this because they'll liven up the, audience so that maybe they'll be able to see it through the eyes of children and be able to enjoy it so he brought these orphans in and the part where like tinkerbell's like dying from what it is poison in the play not um a bomb in the disney movie <laughs> um the in the play uh peter pan asked the audience to clap your hands if you believe like like you have to clap so she can come back to life you have to believe in the fairies um and so the little kids being into it and buying into the imagination just start clapping like crazy and then tinkerbell comes and then the um grown-ups join in because these little kids are clapping it's like well they can't be the only ones clapping so we'll clap with them and it's just so sweet and then they bring tinkerbell back to life and that happens in the musical like the stage musical um it's so fun i've got to say the other i thought on that for why it might have been a really good idea to bring the orphans is not Mm -hmm. only do you liven up that audience but they might come back with their children yeah, and so he kind of changed, like, I don't know how oft, how if it changed, like, the whole stance on the play and, like, everything, like, a lot of stuff the kids could come, but that definitely shook things up because it was like, oh, we can bring kids to this and they'll enjoy it. And it kind of, and it's kind of sweet because it, the story kind of reminds adults who maybe have grown up too much that, hey, you don't have to be like a stuffy adult and be responsible all the time you can maintain some of that like childhood joy and i even think like being a christian there's some message in the bible for that as well of like you have to have the faith of like a childlike faith that's a very innocent and very like ready to believe in anything kind of thing so i think there's a lot of things you can draw from this story um but yeah, it's I could talk about it for a while, but <laughs> there, there's many reasons why it's my favorite. And I wish more people would go read the book. Um, and it's it's in uh, the public domain. So you can probably read it for free somewhere. So I, I and it's not it's very long. The, I bet it's on Gutenberg. Yeah. And it's not very long. And it's a great read. It talks about like Hook is kind of the embodiment of like the scary adult that she might be married off to that that Wendy might be married off to so there's a lot of a lot of the things are kind of symbolic of a young girl growing into like a young woman and everything she's gonna have to face as an adult and dealing with that at that young age when you're in that weird transition phase but so there's a lot to it that people don't quite see all the time if you haven't experienced more than just the disney version but okay the disney version is definitely a classic (laughs) 
And I just checked, and you definitely can read Peter Pan for free on Project Gutenberg. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think it's on iBooks, too. Um, Probably any. It's it's way past its public domain time. So it's like, it's everywhere. It's like Shakespeare now. (laughs) But... Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Oh, and a major difference um, between the movie and the book, as far as story goes, is they they kind of they did this with the sequel, but the sequel wasn't exactly the same. But Peter does come back um, to take Wendy's kids to Neverland, like. I think they called it like during spring cleaning. <laughs> it was like he would come take the kids away. So I'm wondering if it's because like the like Wendy or the parent was like busy with mm. cleaning out the house and stuff. So the kid kind of ended up being forgotten. And so they go off on this adventure. Um, but yeah, so like Peter is like kind of this character that continually comes back and takes like Wendy's like kids and grandkids and great grandkids like to Neverland for like a short amount of time or whatever which eh, I'm okay with him just do this one singular event but it's cute too um also this the Disney version gave Disney one of their iconic characters that they use for everything with Tinkerbell flying over the castle and the logo and it's basically Tinkerbell got famous, but not Peter, even though he has a really popular ride, but <laughs> with a very long yeah. line. Yeah, with a very, very long <laughs> line. But yeah, Tinkerbell kind of came out of that on top. <laughs> um, and also, speaking of Tinkerbell, Disney Toon Studios has a Tinkerbell series that's really cute. Like, I liked that I watched some of the movies, and I thought they were really cute. Especially the first one, like, Tinkerbell's origin was really cute. I haven't seen them. I think some of them are on Netflix, but then they'll be on Disney Plus later. But they're they're worth a, a little watch if you want something light to just kind of okay. occupy your time. They're, they're, they're fun little stories, and they're sparkly, because all, all the pixie dust. Deanna and her sparkles. <laughs> yes, but yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, that's... I think, uh, I think that about wraps it up for our uh, our British special in honor of Carrie and the two places she went. We have Peter Pan, written by a Scottish writer, and uh, Oliver Twist, written by an English writer. Was Jane Barry Scottish? Yes. He was. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we covered, uh, we covered both of the places she went in her absence. And um, she'll be back with us next week, fortunately. So you won't have to just listen to Deanna and I. Car- Carrie will be back. Yeah, you won't have to listen to us ramble. <laughs> in, uh, in the meantime, if you want to talk to us, um, you can find us on Facebook at Faith, Trust, and Pixie Dust Podcast. You can shoot us an email at firstgeek411 at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at, at FTPD underscore podcast. Uh, our personal Twitters, uh, I am at sparkle underscore fists. Deanna is no, no, I am, excuse me, Carrie is there. I am mm. at Spildex Water. Deanna is at Deanna790. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And um, make sure you do that because next week we will be coming back to talk about our feature film, Charlie mm. the Lonesome Cougar. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> yeah. Um, the the um, the dad's uh, thing made me a little nostalgic for it. Father's Day. My grandfather had a stash of VHSs, none of them in their original boxes, by the way. Um, of course not. Because, of course, like we said earlier, VHSs were inevitably copied. Um, mm-hmm. So he had this stash of um, films, and I don't remember watching half of them, but I remember him reading off this list of films that he had in his cabinet, and one of them was Charlie the Lonesome Cougar. So, okay, this will be a new one. In honor of Father's Day, we'll be watching Charlie the Lonesome Cougar, <laughs> and we'll be ranking our top four um, happy tearjerker moments, also known as warm fuzzies. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So moments that just bring the positive emotion. Hmm. Um. So yeah, check back with us next week for that. Thank you very much for listening, and bye.